Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish dash tech dash news. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast. This is your host, Jamil Hassan, the crypto hipster, where I bring you the crypto corner, where I interview founders, thought leaders, entrepreneurs, uh, artists, you name it, in crypto and blockchain globally. And today, well, and this is going to be a treat today for me, too, because you never, I've never been on Safari. Uh, I have an amazing guest. Uh, his name is Graham Wallington. He is the founder and the CEO of Wild Earth. Uh, Graham, welcome to the show today. It's awesome to be here. Really appreciate it. So this is going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So uh, let's kick things off. What is your background and is it a logical background for what you're doing now? So, so I love the way you use the word logical background. Uh, my background is I come from a scuba diving background, kind of crazily. Uh, and really got addicted to that feeling of showing people a brand new world uh, and, and that look in the eyes. And that kind of then morphed into our, our, our business, which is about giving people that experience of being present in nature. We run a TV channel called Wild Earth, where what we're doing is we're using live broadcasting, we're using interactivity, we're using a POV shooting style, and every single day, we're taking people on eight hours of live safaris into Africa. We take people underwater sometimes. Every single day, we, we spend an hour at a penguin colony on uh, the southern coast of Africa. Um, and we do this every day. And it's really all about giving people an immersive experience in, in wildlife, in nature. Awesome. So yeah, so when to get into more about what the Wild Earth is, what Wild Earth NFT is all about? Uh, could you describe that NFT? The sure, absolutely. So so basically, we've been doing this for years. We've been taking people on these experiences into Africa and and around the world, and uh, and and it's we've really learned that people really connect to individual animals. So they get to know the individuals. They get to know, you know, the challenges and, and opportunities that these animals face on a daily basis. And so what we're launching now is a non-fungible token collection for each individual animal. To begin with, we're starting with 25 animals that we know super well, 11 leopards uh, that we know by name, uh, nine lions, and five hyena, all from the same family. That's the hyena. They're not from the same family as the leopard, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Anyway, so uh, so what we're doing is we're creating NFT collections for each individual animal where between Friday night uh, this coming week and Monday night next week, you'll be able to mint uh, an NFT with 88 Matic um, and uh, onto the Polygon um, blockchain, uh, which will be listed on OpenSea afterwards. And 40% of that revenue goes to the, um, the custodians of the wildlife habitat uh, on which that individual animal lives. So basically, what you're buying here is, 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 is a piece of the conservation of the home of that animal. And if you can sell that, if, if it should trade, 
then we collect 10% of that resale price and we send 80% of that to the custodian of that wildlife habitat forever into the future. And so this is really giving people at home the opportunity to not own a piece of Africa, <coughs> excuse me, not own an animal, but own a piece of that responsibility, own a piece of that custodianship. Essentially, we're trying to tokenize biodiversity. Awesome. Tokenizing biodiversity. I always get confused by that term. I, uh, bio, I mean, when I hear biodiversity, I think Bitcoin being mined in El Salvador, or I think of, you know, new ways to create energy. Like, what is, else does biodiversity um, encompass, and how else can you help? Um, and then, you know, and your project help be, be a part of that global, greater landscape for good. You know what? I mean, that is that is such a good question, and it's really the bottom line question. It's it's the question that everybody's asking themselves, which is, you know, how do we use this new technology to make our world a better place? I mean, that's the bottom line. Um, and uh, and and I think that firstly, biodiversity is really just a measure of how much wildlife we've got. So just how many different kinds of species, and when we when animals go extinct, we're reducing a biodiversity. Um, and uh, and that's bad. So 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 what we built here is 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 first of all we work from a, a very simple realization that you want to conserve animals you don't put them in a zoo. You want to conserve wild animals what you got to look after is their home. You got you got to protect the trees, the shrubs, the grass, the rivers, the 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 the, the home in which these wild animals live. And so what you want to do is you want to figure out a way where, where we, we, we link the NFTs to the animals. People are buying a piece of looking after an individual animal character with a name, a picture. You can follow it. You can watch it on Wild Earth. How you can go and visit it if you really want to. Um, uh, it's possible to actually physically go and visit the animal. And, you know, well, you can't kick the tires. So I, I kind of got distracted there. You can go and visit the animal. But the but the but the point is is that that money is going to conserving the home of the animal. Because one day that animal is going to die, the NFT is going to carry on. And that NFT is going to keep on bringing money back to the home of that animal. So its kids and its kids and their kids can can have a home to live in. So basically, Jamil, it's real simple. If we want to save the animals, the biodiversity, we've got to look after their homes. And if we want to look after their homes, we've got to figure out a way to get some money in the hands of the people who are responsible for looking after their homes. Got it. So you're building not just these animals' homes and having revenue, but you're building the future habitat through uh, the NFTs. I mean, what we're doing is we're creating an incentive for the conservation of wildlife habitat. So you, you could imagine a world in the future. Let's let's kind of be really ambitious here and, and let's imagine a future. There's a, there's a guy, E.O. Wilson, who's on a mission. He says, we've got to get to a world where 50% of our planet is covered in wild animals and covered in nature. Um, if we want to build a sustainable future for ourselves, that's what we've got to, we've got to target. Now, that's not going to build itself. It's not going to do it itself. The only way that's going to happen is if it makes more sense to have nature on a, on a plot of land than a car park. 
And the only way it's going to make more sense to have nature on a plot of land than a car park is if that nature can pay better than a car park. Because we all know if it doesn't pay, it isn't going to stay. And so what this NFT project's all about is trying to figure out a way for the animals to pay their way so they can stay. Interesting. Got it. Okay. So you said you said visiting animals, right? So let me ask you this. You, and you've been on safari and you and you record all these documentaries and you do all and you're on the ground, right? So first of all, I want to know like what your scariest story with these animals is, what experience you had, <laughs> and what did you learn? And then I can get into a whole bunch of other follow-ups that I'll have now. Okay, got you. So so first of all, you know what? I mean, I, I, my job is flying a desk, okay? So I spend my whole life in front of a computer, probably just like you. Um, and, and the fun stuff spent out there with the wild animals is all done by our naturalists and our camera operators. So uh, unfortunately, although I do get the opportunity to spend some time out there in the bush, uh, it's not as much as I'd like. But that said, is there have been some pretty scary, there have been some pretty scary incidents out there. Um, uh, but the thing to note is that you know the the safari trucks we drive in are completely open, and you've got you've got lions and leopards that are walking right past uh, our, our our vehicles and our guides every single day. These animals and they're completely wild animals. I mean, they're only captivity; they haven't been tamed. There's none of that. Um, they could at any stage jump on and rip apart uh, our naturalists. And they never do. They never, ever do. And the reason is, is because fundamentally, if you respect the animal and you're, you know what its space is um, and you, uh, you, you live with it, they know that you're, you're not only not their food, you're the scariest animal out there. You're a human being, which is by far and away is the most scary thing that any animal will meet in any day out there in the jungle is that human being. So as long as you sit there and, you know, you're respectful, you don't go running around trying to smack them, you know, or, <laughs> or anything crazy, as long as, you're, as long as you're respectful, they really will treat you with respect. That said, there are certain animals which are, um, which are, which are kind of unpredictable. Uh, they, they, they're the vegetarians, okay? So your predators, weirdly, okay, everyone thinks that the lions and the leopards are the animals that are the most dangerous, and they are in a fight, they are. They just don't, they, they don't want to fight with you. The animals that are the most dangerous and the most unpredictable are the big herbivores. So elephants, buffalo, hippo, you wouldn't think so, but these wonderful, friendly animals, you know, 99 out of 100 times, they just sit there grazing away on their veg. Um, and then that one time, they turn on you. And all the incidences where we've had near misses, elephants put their, 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 their tusks straight into the side of the vehicle, in front of the knees of the camera operator, and just behind the back of the naturalist. It's always going to be an angry herbivore that just, I don't know. You you just were in the wrong place at the wrong time. You hear a lot about hippos. You do. <laughs> you, you know that after the the most dangerous animal in in Africa is is the mosquito because it kills more people than than anyone else. Um, you know. But the second most dangerous animal in Africa is the hippo. 
and um, and and hippos are super 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 dangerous, and uh, and and of course they're nocturnal. They come out, they graze, they graze at night, and you know people bump into these these very dangerous animals with huge amounts of ivory. Um, that you know that are walking around at night, and you know they're they're just grumpy, and um, and and unfortunately, sadly, a lot of people a lot of people get killed by hippos. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, I you said a word there, and I got to ask about this because we're trying to preserve nature. Um, you said ivory, and ivory. Has been known to be uh, pursued by poachers, right? Um, and you're building up the ecosystem there. Uh, how big of a threat is poachers, and will the NFT sales and creation of that be able to build a habitat that will prevent the poachers from poaching the ivory? Okay, so that's that's a, that's a that's a super important and uh, and really big question. Um, and uh, and and the, the short answer is yes, it will. And the reason why is because the, 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 there are two sides to the poaching problem. The, 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 the one side is security and the other side is motivation. So what I mean by that is that on the one side of the equation, the custodians of these habitats need money to pay for anti-poaching teams, everything from thermal imaging drones, helicopters, you know, special force, ex-special forces soldiers training local anti-poaching teams, Literally, it's 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 that it's that far gone. You know what I mean? I mean, it's this is not somebody walking around with a stick. Um, you know, this is this is a proper it's military level security, and that costs a lot of money. So that's the one the one side of it. The other side of it is that it, the people that are poaching not for your ivory, as you mentioned, or the rhino horn, which is really the, the even bigger one now. Um, but um, but there's a lot of people that are poaching for survival. These are people that are poaching to feed their families uh, or, 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 or to make a small amount of money, you know, to kind of keep going. It's because they're super poor. And so what's really important is that in, in areas where you have very poor communities that surround these conservation areas, these communities need to benefit from the conservation of, of nature. And so one of our, our, well, our first custodian, Juma Game Reserve, whom we've already started paying money to, from our pre-sales uh, that happened in December, they've already got $14,000. Um, uh, and, and what they do is they invest their money in supporting small businesses and uh, schools, internet access into the community halls, but any kind of, not any kind of, but, 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 but focused community development projects that really go into these poor communities and show a real tangible benefit from these wild animal areas. And so you've got different situations. And you know what? We don't, we, we, we don't tell custodians how to spend the money from NFTs. Uh, we, 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 we work on the principle that we don't know what the best way to do this is. The people who've got the job of actually doing this know best. Our job is to figure out how do we get money from this, this, this crazy new opportunity and technology? How do we, how do we turn some of that to actually helping the planet that we live on, um, and then it's up to the custodians to figure out how they how they're going to defend nature. Interesting, interesting. So, um, yeah, you mentioned poverty. So, you know, um, 
poverty brings me into thinking about, you know, about COVID and about different things that have happened because of COVID. And there was a there was a bookstore picture I saw on Twitter. It said, um, you know, going by the picture, it said travel has moved to the fantasy section. Right. So uh, it's no longer, you know, like people aren't actually yeah. traveling right now. So how's it impacted your business? And then as a result, how have you brought leopards into living rooms? Okay, so so now that is a super good question. And and I mean, what you're talking about there is just to just to put a little color around that is 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 frankly a crisis. What happened here is that this pandemic hit, and at the moment the pandemic hit, we had global lockdown, as you know, uh, and 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 this caused all travel to ecotourism to evaporate overnight. Now that revenue, that revenue from tourism uh, has been what custodians have been relying upon to be able to conserve the habitats that they're looking after. Uh, and, um, and suddenly when your tourists disappear overnight, your revenue goes out the window while paying bills kind of becomes a problem. And um, that was another major part of, uh, around what we needed to do here is that you kind of imagine a continuum over the past couple hundred years. The way that nature paid for itself a couple hundred years ago was hunting. It was consumptive. It was the only way to do it. So, you know, I mean, it was that simple. But obviously, if you want to scale, if you want to scale that revenue source, eventually, you know, you shoot the last, you shoot the last animal, um, you shoot the last mammoth, uh, you've got no more mammoth to shoot. And, uh, and so, the first revenue source from nature, that consumptive revenue source, that, that's just not scalable in this modern world. The second one, tourism, that, that works better. Um, now you can bring a lot of people. They're not at least killing the animals. You know, when they come to travel, they're taking photographs. That's a lot better. But they still, they're still driving around. They still, they still need hotels, sewerage, roads. Um, you know, there's still a lot of impact. And, and the point is, is you can't just keep growing it. You know, you can't end up in the middle of the Serengeti in, 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 in Tanzania with a 20-story hotel um, and, and, you know, thousands of vehicles driving around a car park. I mean, it's not going to work. So, so, so tourism can't really scale that well. And then you get hit by a pandemic, which means that that revenue source disappears anyway. So really, what, what, what we're talking about here is, is that Non-fungible tokens offer a way for us to uh, create a pandemic-proof revenue stream for the custodians of wildlife habitat um, that is non-consumptive. So we're not shooting the animals. But what we are allowing people to do at home is to watch the animals live on Wild Earth so they can actually see their real animals and that they can, um, that they can at the same time know that they're owning a little piece of the solution of actually helping to keep these animals uh, conserved um, and, 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 and creating value in nature. And that's all we're doing. We're just increasing the value of nature because if we don't increase its value, ain't nobody going to look after it. Right. So you mentioned them in their habitats. Now they're in our living rooms. And you said earlier that animals don't belong in zoos but them being in zoos doesn't that doesn't that help preserve their lives and if so how can um what's the role for for zoos going going forward 
I've been to print some pretty good ones, so I, I like to know. <laughs> yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so there's so many, there's so many, there's so much to that. Um, zoos can't say wild animals on their own. Uh, it's not possible. If we take all the wild animals, we put them all in the zoos, we've got no wild animals, we lost the game. So, so zoos are not the solution. <laughs> but there is no the solution to this problem. What, what we've got to do here is we've got lots of different people doing lots of different things at different levels to come up with a bigger picture solution. What zoos offer is lots of things. Right, right off the bat, what they offer is an opportunity for people living in inner cities to be able to get their kids to get down there cost-effectively because they can't afford to go to Africa in a safari. Um, they can get down there and they can go and help kids see that what these animals are. And, and right there, that, that's, that's got to happen. Um, and we got to do that. And TV can do so much. Um, and it is doing a lot. But it's not the same thing as that five-year-old kid coming face-to-face -face with an elephant. Hopefully not face-to-face, -face, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Number two is that what zoos do is, um, is that they, 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 they make a contribution by working on specific breeding projects for animals that are super close to um, to, to 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 becoming extinct, and and these small um, reservoirs of genetics that exist in zoos, in some cases, and I, I'm not going to be able to quote individual species for you, but but there are situations where those are the only animals left on the zoos, and 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 the hope is that one day when we've kind of turned the corner and we can start building back habitat instead of just shrinking each year, but we can actually start making, you know, making it bigger, that we can, we can start taking these small reservoirs of animals and reintroducing them back into the wild. Thirdly, is that zoos are critical to research on these wild animals because there's a real limit to what kind of research you can do on an animal that is wild. Uh, just out there in the ocean or, you know, up in the mountains, whatever. And so the zoos help us to get deeper understanding of the individual biologies of these species. Um, and that's crucial to the conservation because it's only when you understand what the carrying capacity of reserves are, what the different food requirements and other security and management inputs that are required, which you learn, you know, in, in the research side of this equation uh, that brings it all together to make it possible to conserve biodiversity. Got it. Makes sense. Okay. Um, you said something else there, and this is the crypto podcast, and we obviously cover NFTs. We also cover something else. We cover the metaverse. All right. So you said we uh, you have people at home who can't afford to go to Africa on safari, and you sit in front of a computer and I sit in front of a computer and this whole thing in the world being built up called the metaverse. Um, you know, do you see a point where where you would be interested or how, how it would play out to, because you have actual experience and a lot of people don't, um, life experience, where you could actually make that happen for somebody sitting in a living room to go in the metaverse and feel that they're in a safari. You know, I've, I've got a crazy story to tell you is that um, so this, this idea of a metaverse, as you know, is not a new one. And uh, the great science fiction writer, Arthur C. Clarke, who also invented the satellite, literally, um, uh, he, he made a prediction, and I, I can't remember the date, but it was like a long time ago. It was like the 50s, I think. I think it was like 57 or something. He made a prediction that one day in the future, 
the internet will uh, allow us to be able to experience being, and, and the example he gave was being on safari on the Amazon River in Brazil, where you would be able to interact with the guide in real time and change the camera angle and, uh, and it'll feel like you're actually there. And, and I mean, you, you might have been a, a Star Trek fan, but you'll obviously, you, you probably, you'll, you'll remember the holodeck where there's that feeling, you know, of, of, of being somewhere where you're not uh, and being like such a crazy, you know, metaverse that, uh, that, you're, that you feel immersed in nature, even though you are not immersed in nature. You're sitting on the, star, on the USS Enterprise uh, in, a, in, a, in a cold steel room, but it feels like you're walking through a meadow back on planet Earth. And I think that's, that's what they actually meant by the metaverse. So I think what, what we've been doing here by giving people the opportunity to have remote uh, presence, to feel a sense of remote presence on safari in Africa just by watching a television, that's the metaverse. Uh, that's, that's, our, that's, that's being present in nature remotely. And I, and I think it's just going to get harder and harder to tell the difference between, you know, which simulation are you in? Are you in the simulation we call the real world? Or are you in the simulation we call the metaverse? Being in the simulation called the metaverse eases a lot of uh, a lot of anguish and anxiety and fear and all that stuff, right? Um, exactly. So, so with that, you know, one of my one of my one of my bucket list items is to get on safari in Kenya or South Africa or wherever Tanzania. Um, you know, a lot of people nowadays with the whole COVID thing have given up, right? Why, why should we not give up and why is it important to have a bucket list and why should people continue to, 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 to work towards that bucket list? So, I mean, I, I mean, it's one word, hey, it's one word, it's hope. Um, I mean, everything runs on it. Um, the whole system runs on this word hope. Uh, we, 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 we've got to have something to, to aim towards, you know, um, and uh, I guess if you're stuck locked down in, you know, Jackson, Mississippi, um, and, uh, and, and, and you just can't see an end to this lockdown, uh, and you've got to have hope, and, and maybe it's an African safari, maybe it's a walk on a beach in Hawaii. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's, you know, going to Iceland and seeing, you know, a frozen waterfall. Whatever it is, it's, it's, it, it almost always is being in nature, and that's where people get hope from. Uh, you know, the best way to answer the question is to actually, is to, is to you know, I didn't invent this. Um, there's, a, there's a word in, in Japanese uh, called shinrin-yoku, uh, which directly translated is the art of forest bathing, uh, the art of taking a walk in the park. And uh, the key is to not have a destination in mind. It is to just wonder, to be present in nature, to be distracted by something and to look at it. And very soon you realize you, you lost half an hour. Because why? You were present. You were present in, 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 in that experience. And, 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 and I think that there's something very hopeful that nature offers us. There's an ecosystem service of being present and centered in nature that brings a sense of peace and hope. Awesome.
So whether it being going on safari or whether it being in a walk or whether it being learning scuba diving, <laughs> what you've done, That's you know, um, and yeah, um, hope is is really good. So um, thank you. And and thank you for this amazing conversation today. It's been a great conversation. I really enjoyed talking to you. Um, I do have one final question, and uh, that's this. How can people find out more information about you, about Wild Earth, about your projects, about what you do? How can they watch your shows? How, how can they do any of that? Pretty easy. Uh, you, you just go to wildearth.tv. Okay. I mean, you could also just search Wild Earth, and then and then you don't have to worry about the .tv part. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you very much for your time, sir. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.